Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have a little change up in sharing some stories. And today we have a spouse of a gentleman that has XXY, and this is Kristen. How's it going, Kristen? I am doing great. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really cool. You're actually the first spouse, I believe, that's on the podcast. And really looking forward to just you sharing your perspective of kind of how you guys found out about Kleinfeld, your son or your your husband having Kleinfelder syndrome, and and can you just kind of get us started? Sure, we um, found out about Kleinfelders as part of our infertility process. Um, we had been trying for I want to say like three and a half years, and um, we had known. Our infertility journey took a little while because at the beginning it was like, hey, this is, this is not going as fast as we would like. And then we kind of got to that year mark and a little bit later and we're like, oh, maybe we should go and see somebody. So we went and saw a naturopath. And I had known that I have irregular cycles. And so I think it, you know, I'm thinking it's mostly me at this point. And we go in and the naturopath looks at me and she's like, yeah, you've got some issues. And he, she turns to my husband and says, but you, we can work with hers. You have no sperm. And so uh, I know you came to us because you wanted to probably get some herbs or pills or something, but I'm going to send you right to a specialist. And that was kind of a shock and a surprise because, again, we had known that I was having some issues with my cycles and there was a point where I was taking a pregnancy test every two weeks just because nothing was happening either way. Wow. And to hear uh, for months, for months. And so just to hear like she was very nice and humorous about it, but she kind of brushed aside like we can work with you. That's not a problem, but we need to get, we need to get your husband tested a little bit more. So that was, kind of surprising and at the time we he was working overnight and so that sleep schedule was just completely messing with his body and messing with with all kinds of systems and so we're thinking like oh maybe that's the problem let's get a new the, the doctor is like oh you're working overnight like can you can you get a new job I'm like oh so that took a little while because we kind of blamed it on that and then we're still trying and nothing's working out. And finally, we were able to schedule him with an um, andrologist, I think, or urologist. I'm not quite sure. And the doctor did a bunch of tests and said, okay, great. We're going to look at this. And um, Sarah describes it as the doctor kind of turned back to him and said, can I have your paper back? And sure, absolutely. And he checked another box and he checked the box for the um the chromosome test yeah a carrier type and my husband describes it as i looked at it and it said oh, i don't have down syndrome like why'd you do that and I'm like oh well that's just an interesting thing that you did so okay we'll check that out and he you know takes a couple weeks for those results to come back and i remember i was at my work i was at the front office and he comes in and i could tell he had some news because he had gone to the doctor to get those results by himself and 
I could tell he was really feeling it. And so I'm like, okay, well, can I, can I finish up? And he's like, no, I need you to be done now. I'm like, okay. So we leave and get in the car and he pretty much tells me, so the doctor did find that I have coin filter syndrome. And that means I'm an XXY. And the doctor says that if we want to move forward having kids, then we need to look into donor sperm or adoption. Wow. And so I'm saying, oh yeah, it was, it was just this, okay, here's an answer. Um, that was not the answer that we had hoped for or were really looking at or expected, but here it is. And so we're kind of both sitting in the car, little shell socks and have that lump in my throat knowing just knowing that that takes the path of life that we were driving down and jerks the wheel to the side okay now we're going to go in a completely different direction again have this lump in my throat and I know he's having a really hard time too I just remember he got out to fill up with gas and comes over to the side and probably the first time that we made eye contact afterwards and um he had told me, like, yeah, it's a fairly common mutation as far as um, mutations that happen during mitosis and meiosis. And I looked up at him and I said, well, Jared, I always knew that you were one in a thousand. <laughs> and it was just that moment of like, okay, we can, like, this is hard and not what we expect, but we can combat with this, with some humor. So how, let's see, let's, let me, let me bring it back a little bit. How long were you guys married? And then did you, were, did you guys start trying for kids like right after you got married or was it was, and then you were trying, like how long into your marriage were you that you guys started going like this three year process started? So we, we were married for about five years at that time. Okay. Um, and so that, the first couple of years, we were both finishing up school and and my husband had kind of had been in school for a very long time, been in college for a very long time, just trying to trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life and what direction that would go. And I had always known, well, I want to I want to get an English degree and I want to be a writer and I want to be a stay at home mom. And that's kind of my plan is I'll be a stay at home mom and I'll write on the side and that's what we'll do. And so I had my four-year plan and we got married when I was 19 and he was 24 or how the, the months work out we're about four years apart and so he has he was doing his college thing and I was doing my college thing and then I graduated and it was like okay now now it's time so that first couple of years it's always well we're, we'll do that later. Of course, this is always, we want kids, this is part of the plan, but we're going to do it in the right time. And then the right time turns out to be a much longer timeline than either of us would have expected. So and at the time we got the diagnosis, that was January of 2014. And we had been married for about five years at that time. And so what was, what was the emotional, you know, as a couple, not knowing that you guys that Jared had XXY and, and had zero sperm, what was was there a deep emotional um like how do I was there a deep emotional kind of 
hardship among you over the three year period of, of like you getting doing pregnancy tests like every two weeks and, and just the constant trying, which I'm sure Jared had, didn't complain about. Um, (laughs) but, uh, was there, was it just getting, was it becoming emotionally draining to, to the point where you guys finally went in to get tested? Absolutely. I, there are many, many hard parts of infertility and all of them are hard. But I would say that the hardest going through it was just not knowing. You know, obviously something is not working, something is wrong, but I don't know. And at the time, a lot of it was fun too. I don't have the money to find out or I don't know who to ask or where I need to go to these answers. I just know that something is not right. And so when we finally did get an answer, then on some, in some levels, it was a relief because it's like, okay, well, I know, I know, I know either, either way, this is what my answer is. And, and Jared can speak more to this, but that was uh, an answer to his prayers that he'd had for a lot of his life, just knowing something was different. Um, and for us, it, it really was changing the direction that our life would go and that was really really good in some ways because it provided the clarity that had been missing for the three years of of not knowing and then it was also really hard because I think you do get when you find somebody and you want to get married and you want to build a life together you kind of build this picture of what the future is going to be and so there were times where I'm like yes I want a child and I want it that child to have my husband's black hair and and his eyes and that's kind of what I had in my in my head and then to have him say the doctor just straight up said that if you want kids you need to look at sperm donation or adoption then that took a long a lot of figuring out in my head and and certainly in my husband's head as well so, so that we could move forward. So what was, can you kind of dive into those emotions? I know it's like really, um, it's a really emotional time and looking back on that and then looking, we'll, we'll get to like your future and where you guys are at now. But can you, as a wife of someone that you married, you met your person, you love no matter what, you know, you take the vows and you do all that. What was this for you in that emotional, did you have learning about that it was him and not you and, and learning about that. Did that make you question some of like, I want, did, were you, did that make you question on like, I want my own biological kids or did, were you like, we're in this together and and we'll, we'll get through this. And obviously you were, but at that, at that time. That is such a great question. Um, And the answer to that is, well, I have my own fertility issues too. So it's not, it's not all on him, and, and I think that's, that's not a burden that I would want to put on his mental health kind of thing. Um, but I think that I was okay in the moment because when I was younger, um, I had read a story in the newspaper about a little girl named Zipora Humphreys who was actually murdered and was a foster child, and, and I remember remembering that name that always really sticks with me and that in the article it was 
that she didn't have the support of her foster parents or she didn't have people willing to be foster parents. And at 16 years old, I remember thinking, I could love somebody and let them go. I could be a foster parent. So in the back of my head, I had this idea of I could do that. I could love somebody not biologically related to me. And right after getting diagnosed, it was okay. All right. Well, that's our path. And um, I would be okay with going into doing foster care or doing to adoption. And Jared really wasn't. That wasn't a thing that he was emotionally prepared to go into at that time. And in fact, a couple months after the diagnosis, we went to a foster care orientation. Because in, in most states, that's what they have you do. They have an orientation, kind of an kind of foster care. This is what it's like. You want to keep going, find an agency or get licensed through the state or whatever. So we went to that meeting. And afterwards, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. And he's like, nope, nope, not ready, not, nope. And because we we weren't on the same page. And I really, really had to take a step back and say, I'm committed to this man. And he is going through his journey and his processing of infertility and um, the Kleinfelter diagnosis, what that, what that meant to him, what that meant for his life. And I really had to respect that he was still processing and we could not move forward until we were on the same page. Um, and based on that experience, I, I understand why infertility can cause divorce or can cause couples to fracture and split up because it was really, really difficult. I wanted to move forward and he didn't. And I, I'm so glad that, that that was never really on the table for us. But I understood that impulse because because we were divided in how we wanted to move forward. And so I again I, I'm glad that I was committed to him first because we built this wonderful, awesome, amazing life together, um, having gone through the trials together. But it was definitely choosing to go through the trials together and not and not letting that split us up. Well, I want, I want to just say thank you right now because that is in order to be able to like, you're an incredible woman and, and you will give hope to all of the mothers out there of young boys that are going to go down those fertility paths later on in life that know now about their Kleinfelder syndrome versus finding out how you guys did. But knowing that there's women out there that will stand by you regardless of the situation, like thank you for just being an incredible woman and knowing that your husband is going through this diagnosis and knowing that he needs time and being willing to, even though you're, you've been trying for three years and you're ready and you're set and you've, you've, you've got like that, like, okay, we, we, we figured out the fertility, like, let's do this. And he's like, Whoa, I need time. I need to process. And you're, you're right. You're standing right next to him. And that shows that there's plenty, you know, that, that, your story and by you sharing that is, you know, that there's women like you out there that are in support of like, I, I need to let my husband like grieve and figure this out. And then when he's ready, I'm ready. And so can you 
kind of continue to walk us through like once like how much time did it take for you guys to kind of become ready and and then what did you what did you do once you guys were ready it was a year or maybe even more it it took a lot of time um and it didn't go the straight path that that i expected we get um, 2014 was a really, really rough year, and uh, that the diagnosis came in January, and my brother died by suicide in September. And a little bit after that, my husband. So we're we're dealing with that major trauma as well. And you know, a month or so after that happened, my husband came to me and says, "Okay, I think." I want to move forward um, and with building our family. And I want to have you have the chance to be a biological mother. So I, I think that we should do IUI. And that was shocking to me because, you know, in that first moment, yes, I'm, I'm mourning my own loss. And, but I'm also just, you know, I've, I've decided that I'm committed to this man. And so this is how we're moving forward. And then he comes to me and says, I, I want you to have that opportunity. And so, okay, well, what does that mean? That's a lot of cost. And we decided to, uh, to go with a known sperm donor. And that was an interesting conversation with that family member and got huge support um, and in the very beginning of that we decided that okay this is what we can do we can do three rounds of IUI which is intrauterine insemination and then if that doesn't work then we can do one round of IVF and that was kind of what I had psyched up for and like this is what this is what I can do so that I can give that opportunity a good try and if it works, then how wonderful. And if it doesn't work, then, okay, we'll have our answer. And so from the that year of diagnosis and getting, getting ready to do fertility treatments, um, I think we started fertility treatments the beginning or the middle. It was the middle of 2015. So it was a solid year. And I really had to give it to him to decide, and he's the one that, that made that decision. Um, a very humble decision, if that, if that makes sense. Like, he, he's the one that, that gave that opportunity to me. Um, and we went through all the process and the testing, and the um, we had to get, because it was important for us, we we had been doing some research and um, looking into adoption and looking into foster care and, and really looking at the perspectives of adopted individuals and donor conceived individuals. So for us, we really wanted to have a known firm donor so that we, that could just be part of the story for that potential child. And so we had to find a doctor that was willing to do a known sperm donor which is a little bit unusual or out of the ordinary and we were able to find one 
and we had to go through like psychological testing and interviews and just say, hey, do you, this can get really complicated. Do you know what you're getting in for? And, and again, I, I'm really grateful that we had really taken that time, especially him, we'd really taken that time to mourn and process and think about what this would look for, for, for us and moving forward and for how the narrative we would tell to any child that would come. And we did three rounds of IUI and none of them took. And that was really, really hard because we thought, okay, well, we've, we've had this experience and infertility was really rough and um, we really, really felt like we were being guided down this path to do fertility treatments and try to have a biologically related child and just nothing, three times of nothing, it never worked. And that was really hard. I you know, felt like I put my face on the line and I jumped and nothing was there. And then that took a little while. Again, right after Kleinfelter's diagnosis, I was, I was ready to go right into foster care. And then, and he's like, no, I want to try, I want to try fertility treatment. So right after the fertility treatment, the three IUIs didn't work, we both worked in education. And so going straight into an IVF wasn't a financial possibility for us. We had scraped and scrimped and barely got by to do the IUIs. And so just knowing that, okay, this, this journey is kind of at an end for right now, that was really difficult. And then he was ready to move forward with, I, um, with foster care. And I really wasn't. And it, it took a little while before we were both on the same page. And, and again, I'm, I'm just really grateful that both of us, it was very important that we took the opportunity to mourn the dreams of our, our fertility and that picture of what that family could have looked like. So that when we were licensed to be foster parents, we were ready to do it for the right reason. Absolutely. And, and you weren't trying to, you weren't trying to use the foster care as like a coping mechanism for having, not being able to have that family that you guys envisioned. Is that kind of. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Um, because I have friends who are adult adoptees and I know how it's very tempting for a parent who's got fertility trauma to put all this, this hope and happily ever after and that weight of that on a child to be responsible for their parents' happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if, if they're dealing with their own adoption trauma of my first family didn't work out, they weren't able to take care of me or that uh, those feelings of abandonment, which are normal and natural and need to be processed through. But to have that additional weight of, oh, well, my adoptive parent says that I'm there happily ever after, well, I, I better make them happy. That was not, that was not a thing that I wanted to put a child through. Absolutely. And especially because we did foster care, we are not getting children who are adoptable. We are getting children whose family has been fractured. And ideally, their family can be restored because we're giving, we're being that safe place for them to be and to be loved and nurtured and cared for while their parents do what they need to do so that family can be 
restored and brought back together. And because we had taken that time to process and understand why we were getting into foster care, we we were able to see some really, really beautiful things happen and see those families get restored without feeling that need to be competitive or um, feel like the foster care system failed to provide a child for us. So I'm curious to go back just a little bit about how, you know, when it's, it's amazing that Jared, after he came and coped with everything was like, I want to give you like my wife the opportunity to be pregnant if she wants to be pregnant. Like that is a, you know, my buddy Jeff that's in Australia kind of when they got diagnosed, he was like, wait, I'm going to, gr- I need to like make sure my wife's okay. Instead of worrying about his cell himself with his own diagnosis, he was like, I want to make sure my wife, because I'm the chance of her like becoming pregnant is being like taken away from her. So that's so admirable that he was able to like process that and be, and give you that opportunity. And then like when you guys, did you guys financially, did you guys, when kind of, he came up to you with that, pro- like that idea did you guys sit down and go like, well, let's think about our options of donor sperm or adoption or foster care. What's it going to cost? Like kind of put, put it all on paper. So, and then what are we going to like, did you guys have a plan B in, in case the IUI or the IVF didn't work? Um, I would say because I was open to foster care, we all, we knew from the beginning of, our fa- the, the wheel is turned our family is going in a different direction I got an impression from the very beginning that our family was kind of going to be patched together a little different and that we would have some that might be biologically related we might have some that were from foster care we might be some that were direct adopted but however it happened we would kind of we would all be brought together and patched together in a kind of very unique different way and so him giving that opportunity to me and in some ways because it hasn't worked out that's been really difficult because it's like well why were we given that opportunity um a couple of years into foster care we actually did go and do IVF and that also didn't work out and so there's that part of me that said you know my husband was so humble and gracious and we were really put down this path to have that be an opportunity for us and it never worked out. And that the feeling I expected of peace at the end of you've tried everything you need to try and this is the experience that you get for it. You know, that I didn't get that feeling of peace. I I still felt like that, that journey was not, hasn't been finished, but I also didn't, you know, we, we had looked at the finances of um, we were not ethically comfortable with doing a domestic infant adoption. That was just not a, a thing that we wanted to do. And knowing that there are people who are capable of being foster parents and aren't capable of being foster parents, we are capable of being foster parents. And so we kind of have that call to action of I can love somebody and recognize that they deserve the first family to be restored so if i don't do it who will 
and I always very much viewed we knew that foster care would eventually lead to us building our family and that would be for that child but the fertility treatments were for were for me or were for us of that that experience the kind of do it the normal way but of course there's a lot of science and testing and all that extra things but the fertility was for us the foster care and adoption is for someone else yeah and so and it's that like it's powerful for you to be able to talk about that and and tell people your guys story to because having the right mindset of being foster care parents like allowing your guys allowing yourself the time in order to even do that to not use it as a a way to cope with your own tragedies within your life is is that's like that's powerful to be able to be in that mindset and so did you guys continue with foster care and 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 kind of what's the what's the rest of of your guys journey yeah so we um we actually had to get a a kid go um, reunify with a, a grandparent and then we're like, okay, it's time to do IVF. And he came back uh, about a week later. And so, okay, it's still time to do IVF. We're going to go with that. And so we had him in our home while we were going through that, the, the IVF process. And that was really good for me um, just because it, it did help me focus on someone else. And I will say, even if I've got that perspective of that child deserves their first family to work out or other family members to step up. It is incredibly healing to have children in the home. And so having him there with us, even, even when I got a crazy IVF allergic reaction and my face swole up, and even when I had the fallout of like my hormones are all jacked up and I don't have a pregnancy to show for it, having that child there in the home and being responsible for taking care of him and making sure that his his needs were advocated for was very helpful for me to get through the process. And so he was with us for a year and a half before reunifying with an extended family member and his brother. And then after that, we took a break for like a month and then we got right, got right back into it. Um, because we, we really recognize like, okay, the, the fertility side of things might not have worked out about that. And I still have tender feelings. I'm still processing the grief and sad experience, but I can still do really good things for other children and other families. And, um, so we, we did that. We continued with foster care after after doing that, we got a baby and he was able to be reunified with his aunt. And then we got another little girl and she was recently, well, um, several months ago, actually, she was reunified with her parents. But while, and that was our first girl, because we had had several, um, several boys before. We're used to having a boy home. And then we got this little girl, she's 18 months or no, she was a year old at the time. And then uh, my husband's a teacher. We had an emergency placement with one of his students, also a girl, that was unusual. And then about three or four months into our placement with 
the first little girl that we got, um, our family specialist called us up and said, hey, is Jared with you? Um, I've got a question for you. And he, she pretty much said, there's another family who has a foster child that needs an adoptive home. And I first thought of you. There are other families that are adoption only and would be great with her, but based on the needs and the reasons for why the other foster family is, is not able to take care of her anymore, and, and some of her needs, I thought immediately of your family, and I just wanted to see if you're open to adoption. And Jared could probably tell this part of the story a little bit better, but he was like, yes, immediately, absolutely, let's do it. And I'm a little bit more like, I, I've gone through the process of, of mourning and being on the page of families and foster care that do this. And so if I have an adoptive child, Am I going to be? Am I going to be okay with that? Am I going to be putting these the, the weights and expectations on them? And of course, we go and meet her, and instantly fall in love and walk out the door. And my husband's like, "I don't even care what you say. Like that's my little girl. We're <laughs> going to adopt her, and that's just what it's going to be." So call call our family specialist up. And of course, I'm a little bit more hesitant because that's that's where we were in that time but there's no reason not to and she's really adorable and her little eyes just bore right into my soul and she's looking at me just like I'm looking at her and um, and that just worked out it was it was really really meant to be and um, that of course happened during the pandemic so we have virtual twins for a little bit and we adopted our little girl in January of this year and the other little girl left and was able to go back to her parents and it's just it's just a wonderful situation so right now where we're at is we've got one little girl in our home and we are very much enjoying being a family of three this summer we went on a vacation to Florida to go to the beach and we didn't have to ask anybody's permission to get on an airplane. We didn't have to report to anybody because that was just our family. We were, we're together and that's awesome. And it really is special and meant to be. And we're so lucky to have her. Congratulations. That's, that's a incredible and beautiful story from the hardships of pregnancy and diagnosis to then all of a sudden this incredible outcome and and are you guys continuing to foster care kids and and babies or are you guys at the moment just concentrating on your little family of three? Oh, that's such a good question um we are in we're taking a little break we are enjoying being a family of three and having that kind of stability that comes from not having another doctor's appointment or not having another agency appointment and like this is just our family and that is really really wonderful so we are looking forward in the future we are uh, we'll probably take a couple more vacations and then open our beds back up in the fall and just kind of see how that how that foster care journey takes us and then fairly recently, like within the last month or so, we decided that we uh, we found out we had some leftover sperm from our known sperm donor. And so we're kind of starting the process of thinking we're going to do another round of IVF 
and use up that leftover material and, and again kind of see where that leads us and after this next round we'll we'll see if we have a biological child cue or if that that's just what we needed to get that piece and say we really did try everything we need to so it's going to be interesting our story our family journey is not over and we don't have all the answers of how that's going to be built but it's going to be it's going to be exciting and it's going to be beautiful and i'm i'm really grateful that we've taken the opportunity to to really process what this looks like and to come together as a couple so that we can kind of give each other the space for what we need and um, how to move forward in a way that we're all happy i mean and if you guys can handle if you guys could you guys made it through this and the amount of stress of IVF and horm like you said, the hormones and, and everything like that with your hormones that are whack and then Jared learning about Kleinfelder syndrome and all of these things that were thrown at you guys in such a short period of time and then years later being able to just become a better communicative family and and now you are a family and to be able to handle all this, it's like what's next? You know, like it's it's almost it sounds like almost the challenge like like you've accepted the challenge and you're like we can do whatever is thrown at us and we can to be foster care parents alone to to do that you know you're you're giving your you're giving yourself you're giving what life you have to other people and and that's so big and then to you know to be able to cope with the fertility and building the family it's you guys have an incredible story and and it brings i think being able to being the first uh, wife on the show and sharing your story is just going to empower more wives to stand up or more partners to stand up and be like, I want to share mine. And, and I want to, I want to tell people our story. And um, I really appreciate you just being so gung ho about, you know, I'm doing this, whether Jared wants, you know, to wants to hear it or not. And I'm signing my husband up to do this because it's time. Yes. Yeah, well, he's, he's wanted to for a long time. He has, I have really enjoyed seeing him find his community um, because that is not a thing that he's always had. And to not only find people who understand him and his kind of his life experience, but to become a leader and advocate for others has been really special to see. But I, I have known since the beginning, since I met him and fell in love that this boy needs to be a father. There are children that deserve to have a father like him. And who am I to stand in the way? However that's built or however that's done, I just wanted to be there to see that. And it's, and it's been really, really wonderful. And it's not over, which is even, even, even more amazing. You have more lives and more, more potential lives to create or more potential lives to impact and, ch and change. And that's the beautiful story of adoption is you can take someone that like the, the book that you or the news article that you read when you were a kid and you can take something that, and you can change someone else's life forever. And there's so much beauty behind that. And so I really appreciate you just reaching out and wanting to be a part of this and, and, uh, sharing your story. Is there anything else that you would want to tell maybe other spouses out there that are going through your the journey that you guys have gone through or, or anything else? Um, 
I would say that number one, it, it gets better. Give yourself the space. If, you know, if you, if you find out in the same kind of traumatic way that we found out that know that it gets better, but you, you can't get around it. You've got to go through it. So I, I remember go back to those rough days. Um, I remember when we first found out how I wanted to crawl out of my skin because I didn't want to live that narrative. I didn't want that story. I didn't want to have to deal with the, the difficulties of infertility. And at the same time, I absolutely love my husband and I want to go through the journey with him. And so those, those first couple months and days and years are really rough and they really suck but it gets better and you get through it by walking through the yuckiness and feeling those feelings and allowing yourself and your partner to feel whatever they need to feel and and again we have we've built a really beautiful life together and we continue to do so and we are able to do so because we walk through the hard parts together, holding hands. Yeah, you did it as a team. He, That's incredible. He did. And he's going to say, oh, that's so sappy. I'm not usually the sappy one. But, but it's true. We, we did that together, and I wouldn't pick anybody else. And I, I feel like I would have still picked him, even if we had known beforehand. I would have still picked him. That that right there, that that last comment is is so powerful for some of these young mothers that are these mothers that have young kids that worry about fertility. Is that regardless of if you knew that he had fertility, or if he knew if you knew about his XXY before you guys were trying, that regardless of that, you would have still gone through this with him. That that's I really appreciate that. That that's a that's a very, very good, just, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, there are things that would have been a lot easier. It would have been a lot nicer to know ahead of time, but that's not, that's not how my story takes out. Yeah. And, and it'll just, it'll be a fun adventure to see how all these other young men and little boys and old boys do they ever really grow up? Um, <laughs> you know, everyone's story is different and, and I'm glad that I get to live mine. I'd like, I'd like to say that a lot of us are like Peter Pan and, uh, and, uh, you know, we have this, we, we see the good in people and, and we see the kind of, my girlfriend yesterday was like, are you ever going to grow up? And I'm like, nope. Like I'm, this is who I am. It, it's, it's here here to stay and it's not going anywhere so um that's well, it. and how how much humor helps you really really cope through the process uh, my husband gets so much comedic material out of having xxy it's amazing it's the gift that keeps giving now that we've processed through the infertility side of things now we get to have the fun humorous side of okay i'm a little bit different um, and he, he's got some really good singers. It's very funny when he just whips one out and then 
there are some people in the in the room know that he's got Klein filters and some people don't know like what and the ones who know are just laughing because they don't they don't expect him to find the humor in it but it's a gift yeah it is and, and you know when you talk about fertility moving forward you know you, you're building your family you know that there'll never be an oopsie so you guys can enjoy life and and uh you know there's always a positive well, to everything that's out there and, and it's just the, pers- it's the perspective. And I'd love to hear your, you got to tell him tonight uh, when you talk to him that he needs to tell some of his jokes on the show tomorrow when we do the podcast. Absolutely. Oh yes, He would love to. You did say something. If I, if I can take a, a minute, you said yeah. something that reminded me of there'll never be an oopsie. And there, I got to get a little TMI mom and dad. Oh, it's, fine. It's, it's fine. Sorry. <laughs> But I, I do remember the first time that we were intimate after getting the diagnosis. And that was a hard experience um, because it was, you know, I, I wanted to show, I still love my husband. I still desire him. I still want to share this part of my life with him. But it was difficult knowing that that would never result in pregnancy. Or that that part of the, just the expectation of all your life, you're told, okay, you've got to be careful, okay, this is before and whatever. And then to not have that be a possibility, that, that was difficult at the beginning. And so there are times where people will say like, oh, well, you never know, it could just happen. Or, or you know, you don't, you never know. It's like, well, I do know. And I'm 10 years, I, I take that back. Yeah, I'm 10 years, 13, we've been married 13 years. I'm 11 years into the infertility journey. And now I'm like, well, you're right. Now I never have to pay for birth control again. I never have to do it that. But if that, if there's some other spouse or husband that, that comes to and that is a thing that pricks them, hey, I've been there. It gets better. Think of the money that you're saving by not having to pay for birth control for the rest of your life. But but it does suck in that first little bit. It's hard. And you, that's okay. You'll get through it. You do actually, you know, that's a perspective that I've never thought about because I've never, I've, I've never been married and I've never, you know, I've always known from a young age that my parents, when I was younger, when fertility came up, my parents always told me you can adopt, you can adopt. They never told me I could never be a father. And back then micro and donor sperm and stuff like that, I think it was really, really new. And, um, just my parents always told me you could adopt, you could adopt. So I've never actually thought about that perspective of what the intimacy aspect is with once you learn and you find out like that's, I'm going to write that down because that that's a really, like you'd say, I ask really good questions. That's another really good question. It's very personal, but I think people that are willing to share their story are willing to talk about some of those inter like really intimate personal details. And I've never thought about that from, from your perspective of, you know, once you know, and then you guys are intimate, you are now everything that your entire life, you know, use condoms, birth control, like all these things, you know, to not to prevent yourself from getting accidentally pregnant. And then here you are all none of that stuff. It, 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 it plays, it goes into play with your intimate side in your relationship. And, and yeah, because there, I had a friend ask me, like, well, is it kind of a relief that you don't have to? I'm like, well, no, because that's 
what I wanted, you know, so that, that was a thing that he couldn't connect with me on that level. And again, it was really, really hard in the beginning part, but going through the hard feelings and processing the grief and processing the trauma, it doesn't sting as much anymore. It doesn't hurt. That's, that's just the reality of our situation. And, and again, so I hope that gives somebody a little bit of hope of you'll process that grief and it will be okay. Um, but it's, it's a different perspective. It's a, it's a thing that not many people think about or have to experience. Absolutely. And then you have your husband that can make total funny jokes that can put everybody on the floor that knows about his XXY and um, you can have him bring the humor to it and you're in the position now where you know that you can just laugh and have fun with it and not take it so seriously. And, and it might come across your mind every once in a while, but then you're, you're also like, this is awesome in, in some aspects, I'm sure. Um, oh yeah. There, there is joy in it. There's joy in having the answers and having the humor and just having that knowledge and that identity that that brings to him. It's not, I don't want the narrative of my life to be that my husband has Kleinfelters and that changed the direction of my life. And it's so sad because that's not true. My husband is awesome and I love him exactly for who he is and how important that part of him is to his identity and how, and how really, really funny we can be about it because we've accepted that so full-heartedly. So, oh, I can't, I, I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow. It's going to be, it's going to be a good one. Uh, you know, just person, personality and humor and, and being able to laugh about, you know, being able to talk about the serious stuff, but then also be able to laugh about it is, I mean, laughing is some of the best therapy you could ever have. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that perspective and just, a, it's always amazing to talk to new people. And, um, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing some of these really deep, intimate moments about fertility and intimacy and, and um, adoption and just your guys' life in general. And I'm really looking forward to connecting you guys with other families, guys that have learned later on in life, just like how you guys have and that have also chosen adoption. And um, I've actually got some families that I'm going to link you guys up with after we're done with the podcast. I'll jump on Facebook and, and uh, get you connected so you guys can have... Um, more people in your lives that kind of have gone down the same routes and maybe, you know, and maybe there'll be some, is there, well, is there a way that mothers can, or, or other spouses can reach out to you and, and talk to you if, if you, if they wanted to ask you some more questions? Absolutely. I am open on Facebook. Um, I also have a nonprofit organization called Mental Health Superheroes. And I talk about, you know, mental health stuff and geek stuff on that. So I can be reached at that, um, on that Facebook page or that communication as well. Okay. And what's your, what's your Facebook page, if you don't mind um, asking? It's Kristen Pike, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-P-I-K-E. Sweet. Well, there you mental health superheroes. That's the other way you can reach me. Well, that's awesome. And I really appreciate you being on the show and, and uh, looking forward to talking to your husband tomorrow. Thank you so much. Of course. We'll talk to you soon.